Hello there. Identity is the condition of being oneself, one separate self. Another word for this is ego. You cannot have a sense of self without simultaneously having a sense of other. Identity served universal expansion because oneness cannot conceive of itself. Obviously, to conceive of something, you have to be standing on an opposite platform. White is needed to conceive of black. Black is needed to conceive of white. And so universal consciousness needed singularity in order to become conscious of itself. Just like a fish cannot conceive of water until it has experienced air. And so identity was conceived. A more practical way of explaining this as it relates to you is that the separate self or ego is the necessary condition for you to experience oneness or enlightenment. Whenever we associate something with our self, we identify with it. It becomes part of us. We see it as not separate from us, but as part of us, if not us in our entirety. So let's imagine that you, the concept of you, is this. If you identify with a thought, that thought becomes you. If you identify with a person, that becomes you. This starts to become your concept of self. This is what attachment really is. So, I am angry. I am going to identify with my child because they're my child. This is what your personality structure, your ego, essentially is. It is a giant combination of all of the things that you identify with. It's a composite of things you're attached to. Now, if any one of these things that we are identified with is threatened, that is when we have an extreme reaction. So let's say that somebody comes in and threatens somebody that we're attached to, or we perceive there being a threat. It's almost like I'm trying to pull at it. Do you see that gravitational pull? That's the emotional reaction you're getting as a result of the threat to that thing that you are attached to or identified with. If the thing we have identified with is ever threatened, we experience it as a threat to our own survival because we don't know the difference between that thing that we're identified with and ourself. So we see it as a personal attack. One could argue that identification is okay as long as we're identified with things that feel good, but not so fast. Any form of identification with something that feels good is a simultaneous identification with the opposite of that thing that feels good. Another way of saying this is, all truly extreme positive states carry within them the seeds of the exact opposite or the potential for their opposing polarity. For example, worthiness carries the seeds of unworthiness. Excitement carries the seeds of disappointment. Far more troubling, however, is that we identify often with things that cause us to feel bad. By doing so, we now have the motive to keep that thing alive within us, to continue to reinforce it. We need it in order to maintain our sense of self.
A great many spiritual teachers will emphasize the importance of disidentifying with things that are external to us, especially other people. But it is my opinion that these things that are external to us are not the things that are causing us the most amount of suffering. What's causing us the most amount of suffering is our identification with things that we perceive to be internal to us. We are the most identified with the three primary aspects of ourselves. Those being body, thoughts, and emotions. Each of these three aspects is inherently a different expression of source consciousness. We mistake these expressions to be the totality of who we are. A bit like a painter who has become so identified with his painting that he has forgotten that who he ultimately is is more than his painting. In other words, we think we are our emotions, we think we are our body, and we think we are our thoughts. And as such, we are so attached to them that they affect us immensely. They cause us to suffer. Those of us who have painful emotions, painful thoughts, or a painful body suffer to the degree that life becomes an absolute torment. This is the reason that disidentification is one of the highest forms of spiritual practice that you can take on. To become disidentified with something, you have to simply see it as other than you, as separate from you. You could disidentify with just about anything. You could disidentify with your pain, for example. To disidentify with your pain, all you have to see is that your pain is like a separate self. You can conceptualize of your pain as a separate entity. And when you experience pain, you can observe that pain as if you were watching that separate entity reacting. In this way, you do not take the pain personally because you have disowned it. But the most important thing you can do as it applies to disidentification is to disidentify with your thoughts, disidentify with your emotions, and disidentify with your body. You will notice that your attachments to external things, people, places, etc. will just fall away simply on their own as a result of doing this, because those external attachments are filtered through our primary attachment or identification with our emotions, with our thoughts, and with our body. The hardest part about spiritual practice is the complementary contradictions that inherently exist within a multidimensional universe. Truths are not necessarily the same on different dimensional levels. Sometimes they contradict themselves, but each are true in their own right. Ultimately, at the highest truth, all is one. The painter is absolutely the same as his painting. So any form of disidentification is to enhance the self and otherness within this universe. When nothing is other than you, not your mind, not your body, not your emotions, not other people, not your kitchen table, not your dogs, nor the clouds, nor the cement on the sidewalk, but to even see, much less experience this truth, you must first disidentify from the very things that are keeping you locked in your own intense sense of identity. The false self is like a composite of things you are identified with. Like onion layers, you strip each thing you're identified with away to expose the truth of who and what you really are. The true self is then revealed. We do not engage in this separating from the things we're identified with or attached to process with an attitude of resistance. 
To do this would just be to perpetuate the issue. Instead, what we do is to completely allow ourselves to become aware of the identification. And in the awareness of the identification, we are in that moment disidentified with the very thing we are witnessing. The best way to think about this is to think of these things that you're identified with like rose petals that simply when exposed to the light of the sun will begin to fall away from the stem. To try to push away the things you're identified with only causes you to become more identified. It only causes you to feel rejected by yourself. You essentially cause an intense survival reaction within yourself in response to your own self-rejection. You cannot try to take something away from yourself without hurting yourself. As it applies to body, mind, and emotions, you cannot try hard or disconnect from those aspects of yourself without those things being perceived internally by you as self-abandonment. The way to begin allowing these aspects of you to fall away from the true self is to recognize all the things that you're attached to. For this reason, I want you to take out a blank sheet of paper and I want you to write down all the things that you think you might just be attached to. Keep in mind, of course, that the actual list of things that you are attached to extends far beyond this one you're about to create. <laughs> but this is a consciousness exercise. A good way to find things that you're identified with is to look at all the things you identify as mine. For example, the minute you say my friends, you are identified and thus attached to them. Also, look at all the things that you would fill in the blank with when you say I am fill in the blank. Those things you are also attached to. For example, the minute you say I am sexy, you are identified with being sexy. Also, try to identify the thoughts and beliefs that you're attached to. For example, one belief you might be attached to is money doesn't grow on trees. Try to recognize the emotions that you are identified with. Emotions that you're identified with are the ones that are chronic. They come up more often. They might even set the emotional atmosphere of the totality of your life. For example, disappointment might be one of them. Also, I want you to try to recognize the aspects of your body that you are identified with. For example, if you see yourself as fat, you are identified with being fat. Remember, anything you identify with will cause a strong reaction within you. The ego has owned it as part of the composite that makes up what it is, its self-concept. Whenever those things are threatened, the ego will go into a state of reactivity and defense. The ego has motive to maintain these aspects of your life, even if they cause you pain, because it sees the loss of these things as annihilation. We can even become identified with pain itself. Isn't that an interesting twist? Now this, of course, is one of the most painful conditions you can experience, is to become identified with pain because the ego will seek pain out just to reinforce its own sense of self, its own identity. But there is an interesting little flip side. People who are identified with pain often end up in so much pain that in one fell swoop, they end up disidentifying with themselves completely. It's a form of emotional suicide. This is, in essence, what's happening in a spontaneous awakening experience. All this being said, the real practice begins when we become aware of what we are identified with the minute that those things arise or cause a reaction within us. The easiest way to do this is in response to emotions. You can use strong emotions like an alarm bell or a meditation bell that 
alarm you to the fact that your direct, undivided attention and presence is required in this moment. There is something you must recognize. There is something you must become aware of. By recognizing something, by becoming aware of it, you are in that moment, in the perspective of what we would consider to be your eternal self, observing the temporal self, instead of purely being immersed in the temporal self perspective. Instead of being underwater, you are above the surface looking at the water. When a strong emotion arises, face it within yourself. Instead of reacting to it, or reacting in a way to try to get away from it, when you feel it, you use the feeling as a reminder that this feeling is the emotional body becoming activated like an electric fence, or charged, as in, it's not me. It is not the emotion itself causing the suffering you feel. It is the fact that you identify with it that is causing the pain you feel. This is all it takes to disidentify with something. Don't try to stop caring how you feel and don't try to change how you feel. Just recognize it and let it be there. A fun little side note about this is that if you use these sort of triggers that happen as a result of something you're identified with being pushed on or pulled on, in that very moment, if you can become intensely present, you have opened yourself up to insight. You will experience intuition and insight dropping into your being as a result of being fully present with that strong emotional reaction instead of reacting to it. For example, you might notice what it is that triggered you and why it triggered you. You might receive insight that allows you to help dissipate that charged reaction. When it comes to negative emotions, you can see that you identify with those negative emotions even in the words we use. For example, we might say, I am sad, or I am angry, implying that that is the totality of who we are, instead of that who we are is having that experience of being angry or experiencing anger. Don't worry about disidentification causing repression or suppression. Disidentification is in fact the opposite of suppression. It is the moment in which choice or free will is introduced into the experience. So you now have the free will of choice to choose how to express that emotion. But it's helpful to think of it this way. In the moment that you are completely aware and present with the emotional reaction or with the thought you're thinking, what happens in that moment is that you are introducing the pure light of your consciousness to those shadows, to those things. So it's almost like the light of your consciousness dissipates them or burns them up, almost like a film strip being exposed to flame. By recognizing a thought and observing it and letting it be there, you're not actually adding any fuel to it because you've stepped out of your participation inside of that thought. In other words, you were in the thought, now you're outside the thought observing it. This stops the thought attracting other like thoughts. So you have essentially stopped the momentum of thought, which stops the negative spiral. When it comes to the body, if you think that you are your body, anytime your body changes, you essentially lose your identity. That must be spooky. We can practice observing the body as if it were an experience we're currently having rather than who we are. This is the whole idea behind the fact that we are a spiritual 
being having a human experience. When you recognize your body, see it, feel it, experience it, you are in fact in that moment not your body. You are disidentified with it. You are not your ego. You are not your separate self. In the moment that you become aware of ego, you are in that moment disidentified with ego. And what you can acutely see is what you are not. When you are acutely aware of what you are not, then the filter that is separating you from the awareness of what you are is removed. And all that is left in the wake of that realization is your true self, your true being. It is a state of peace. It is a state of unwavering grace. Have a good week.